scripture passage this morning is John chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I, where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Well, good morning. It's great to see a few faces in front of me and for everyone else joining us online, I can feel your prayers. I want to say thank you to the worship team for leading us. That was wonderful. I'm a little tired because I was up late last night crafting. Uh, thank you to Esther and Mia, who led us in a wonderful craft on Zoom last night. Um, and I stayed up beyond <laughs> our meeting time just because the crafting bug was awoken in me. Um, so thank you again. It was a great time that we had together. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about Jesus as the light of the world. We're going to be getting a little bit of theological help from Batman. But before we go into that, uh, let's pray together. God, who sent us the light of the world, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would open our eyes to see your truth. We pray this by your spirit. Amen. Well, I love a good villain. I know that generally, when we hear stories, we're supposed to cheer for the protagonist. But I just can't help falling onto the side of the villain. I love the, the giant egos, the commitment they have to their cause, despite how ridiculous it might be. Some of my favorite villains are Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, a great character. I also like Yzma from The Emperor's New Groove. And for one of the more adult movies, I like Bane from Batman, The Dark Knight Rises. Now, there's a scene in that movie where Batman and Bane are facing off in this epic battle. And Bane, he's very intense. So it's not going too well for Batman. And he starts to lose the fight. So naturally, he tries to retreat into the shadows. He hides in the dark. And it's at this point that Bane won me over. 
because he delivers this great line. I won't do it in his voice, but I'll tell you the line. He says, you think the darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man, and by then it was nothing to me but blinding. Now, I don't think that Bain was trying to give a theological commentary on the state of humanity at this point. But he does say some things that are helpful to us, some things that point out some biblical truths and biblical themes. All of us are born in the dark, in the sense that this world is a place of darkness. Now, in the Bible, we see darkness as a metaphor for the places where God has yet to work his redemptive activity. The very first words that God speaks are, let there be light. As God enters into creation, as God creates, light appears. Now, this image of light was used by the prophets in the Old Testament as a metaphor for salvation. And then the early church fathers and mothers used light to describe the way of Christ, walking in the way of light. So as those who have grown up in the church, who have heard a few sermons, we're used to the light. We love this idea of light shining in the darkness. But we have to remember that Light shines into darkness, meaning darkness exists. Darkness surrounds us. If we're not aware of the darkness, a quick look at the news will remind us of its existence. We're currently in the midst of a global pandemic. There are wars around the globe that continue to ravage creation. In this past year, we've seen injustice, and we've had a new awareness to this injustice and seen how it's so deeply entrenched in our systems and institutions that govern us. We've seen the ugly realities of racial, gender, and socioeconomic inequality, and how this hurts creation. Now, this is part of the darkness that we all live in, this is the world that we are born into. It's a world that is broken and needs fixing. And sometimes we can become so used to the dark that we can't see the light. We almost get comfortable in the dark. We expect things to be wrong. Or we might worry about the darkness that exists within ourselves. We might feel inadequate. We might carry around shame. And because of that, we're afraid to go into the light and choose instead the familiar comfort of the darkness. Now, in this passage that we read, Jesus is addressing those who are comfortable living in the dark. If we back up a little bit, we see that in this part of John, Jesus has been doing his ministry for a while. He's becoming known for his miracles and his healing and his teaching. And because of that, he's made some enemies. 
The Jewish leaders aren't happy with what he's been doing, and they're looking for a reason to get him, to arrest him, to discredit him, anything to show that he is not the Messiah. Now, there's a festival happening, the Festival of Tabernacles, and it's going to be celebrated in Judea. So Jesus heads there. He goes in secret because he doesn't want uh, to make too much of a fuss. He doesn't want too much attention. Now, this is a festival where the Jewish people would remember God's presence among them as they wandered in the desert. God guided them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire or light by night. So this is what should have been on the minds of all the festival goers, this idea that when they need God most, he was with them in a very present, visible, and tangible way. But instead of remembering that, everyone seems to be talking about this new Jesus person they've been hearing about. They're whispering, wondering, is he who he says he is? Is he crazy? Is he really the Messiah. But Jesus, of course, he's unfazed by all the whispering. He has something he usually does when he goes to a new place, he teaches. So he heads to the temple and he begins teaching. Now as he's teaching, people are getting uncomfortable listening to him. He's in the temple and the Jewish leaders are there. And they are not impressed with what he's saying. They want to condemn him. They want to pass judgment on him. Interestingly enough, there's a Pharisee named Nicodemus who has met Jesus before. He's encountered the light of Jesus that reveals what's in a person. But Nicodemus, he sticks up for Jesus and he says, we should listen to what he has to say. Our law allows for a person to defend themselves before we condemn them. And that brings us to our reading for today, where Jesus speaks, speaks to all the leaders who are in the temple. And he says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, his message isn't for disciples, for those who have um, listened to his teaching and believe who he is. This is for people who are hostile toward him. So Jesus' statement then is the light of the world. It's a warning. It's a warning that he is the light, so watch out. He is going to reveal what is within us. Now, the Jewish leaders, they've decided they want to judge and condemn Jesus. And so Jesus meets them where they're at. He talks to them about judgment. By saying, I am the light of the world, he is saying that he is the one who will shine light onto dark places. He is saying that he is the one who will reveal what is truth and what is not. He is saying that he is the one who comes with the authority of the Father. Darkness conceals, but the light of the world reveals. And Jesus, 
is revealing that he is the only way to God. He is revealing that he is the only way to God, not rituals, not observing laws, not that those are bad things, but it's not enough. These are pretty bold statements that he's making, so you can imagine why all the Jewish leaders would have been scandalized by his claims. And the idea of judgment, it can be scandalous for us to hear too. It's very closely associated with the word judgmental, and no one wants to be known as judgmental. Before COVID, as many of you were, I was going to a gym, and there was a giant banner across the wall where I would exercise that said, no judgment. They want you to know that this is a safe place, that no one's going to be watching you and criticizing you, but you should feel free to exercise, to be yourself. I get the sentiment they were trying to communicate, but I think what they wanted to say was, we're not judgmental, because it's important that when you go to a gym with heavy equipment that you have some amount of judgment. You know, being judgmental means looking down on someone or being overly critical with your point of view. And this is not what Jesus teaches us. He doesn't teach us to be judgmental. But he does teach us to use sound judgment. We make judgments every day when we decide what we're going to wear, what kind of food we're going to put into our bodies. We make judgments when we decide to respond to a certain Facebook comment or not to respond. Some of us might need a little more help with that than others. But this is a God-given ability that we have to make sound judgments. And these keep us from harm and from harming others. Judgment in the Gospel of John is best understood as a crisis moment or a moment of recognition. Throughout the Gospel, there are many characters that come and go. They meet Jesus. And each person has to decide. They have to make a judgment. And what they're judging is this. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus who he says he is? Is he the Messiah? Is he God in the flesh? Or is he someone else? Each person comes to a crucial moment in their lives. And as the Pharisees in the temple are at this moment, some of them might be listening to Jesus and hearing what he says, but for the most part, they have failed to recognize God among them. And this failure is because they are looking at Jesus and judging him according to human standards. The Pharisees were very focused on following laws and staying pure. They loved purity. But the focus of their faith was about what they could do to reach out to God, what they could do to please God. And as they were so focused on that, they completely missed what God was doing to reach out to them. They were so used to being in the dark that when the light of God stood before them in the revelation of Jesus Christ, they couldn't handle it. They refused to see, and their human judgment led them to condemn Christ. When we get to verses 
15 and 16 of chapter 8. These verses might seem a little bit contradictory. Jesus says, You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, I don't judge, but if I do judge, it's a true judgment. And there are two different nuances to this word judge here. The first one where he says, I do not judge, is about condemnation. I don't condemn. And the second one is referring to making a decision about someone, an informed decision based on their response. And we see this this judgment where Jesus comes into the world not to judge, not to condemn. It's spelled out in John 3, verses 17 to 19. Jesus says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn him, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We are all born in the darkness, but we all have the potential to come into the light. And more than that, God invites us all to come into the light. And when we're confronted with that light, we might run back to the dark and hide. This seems to be the natural human response when we do something wrong, we want to hide. I know with Miles, whenever he has something he shouldn't, say my phone, he'll take it and he'll run away from me and hide. Then when I find him, he realizes He can't get out of the situation, so he'll take my phone and he'll throw it as far away from himself as possible, as if to say, I'm not not guilty, I haven't done anything wrong. That gets an extra minute in timeout, for sure. But this is our, our natural response. We feel the need to hide and to be ashamed when we've done something wrong. But if we look at the stories of people meeting the light of the world in John, those who met Jesus... We see that he, he reveals themselves to them. He shows them what they've done. Think of Nicodemus in John 3 or the woman at the well in John 4. Jesus knows everything about them. And he knows what it is that they might want to hide. But he doesn't meet them with condemnation. Instead, he meets them with mercy, with invitation. And in those two examples, we see that they become disciples of Christ. Now, because in Christ we don't have to hide or be ashamed of what we've done, we don't need to be afraid of the light, the light that exposes what happens in the darkness, the light that is full of the revelation of God, God's mercy and God's grace and God's love. And that's the difference between judging according to human standards and judging according to God's standards. One leads to condemnation and the other leads to new life. To new life 
as a disciple of Christ and the grace of God. And that's why God is a trustworthy judge, a judge that brings true, de- true justice. I was talking a little bit about our individual darkness and what might scare us about ourselves. But this is a passage where Jesus is addressing an institution, an institution that has been loving the dark and hasn't seen the light. And as we think about justice, we have to recognize that we need the justice of God. We need this justice because there are systems and institutions in our world that flourish in darkness. And these systems and institutions will exploit all and any who are vulnerable, who are without power, and who cannot stand up for themselves. And this is where you and I need to decide how we will respond to God's presence among us. This is where we need to decide how we will respond to the light that reveals those places of darkness. As children of God, we walk in the light, but walking implies action. God is generous. He's generous in that he invites us into his salvific and redemptive work. He invites us to come alongside him and participate in the fixing of the world. But that work involves going into places of darkness. It involves opening our eyes and our ears to see and hear things that might be difficult to see and hear. Now, in the last year, we've seen countless examples of institutions that flourish in the darkness. We've also seen courageous people who are speaking out to bring light to these situations, to bring light to this injustice. Unfortunately, the usual response is for these places of injustice to retreat further into the dark, to hide. We need to pray over these places. There are places where Christ reigns, and there are places where sin reigns. And we need to pray that God would reign over all the places that are in darkness. We need to pray that Christ, the light of the world, will shine into the darkness of systemic racism, of gender inequality, and of institutional poverty. And while we pray for this to happen, we need to open our eyes to see where God is already at work, where his redemption is already happening and taking place. This is the good news, that God is shining his light in the darkness. That where there is injustice, the church is rising up to bring justice, to encourage peace, to promote love, to show mercy. There are many examples of how the church is doing this, but I want to share one with you as I finish this morning. A few years ago, Bruce and I were able to travel to Bolivia with CBM, uh, Canadian Baptist Ministries, which is the mission arm of our Baptist church in Canada. 
We were able to serve alongside the Bolivian church in Cochabamba and some missionaries who are living there. And we were serving with prison kids. This was something that was hard for me to see, to wrap my mind around. Because these kids are living in prisons, not because they've done anything wrong, but because one or both of their parents are in prison. And because the poverty there is so great, when a parent goes to prison, the whole family will often go with them because they don't have anywhere else to go. They don't have any way of paying for rent. They don't have any other home to be in. So we have all these kids there, these kids that are living in prison. Some for a short time, but some will spend their whole childhood there. Now, during the day, they're not allowed to stay in the prison, and school runs for half the day. So for the other half of the day, the church has provided this program for them to come to. It's at a home, and it's called Casa de la Amistad, Friendship House. And these kids can go there. They go to get tutoring, help with their homework. They go to receive counseling. They go to learn life skills. And these kids are coming to Casa de la Amistad with darkness. It's not their own darkness, not their own shame, but they bear it anyway. They've been looked down on, and they start to believe that they're not worth anything, whether worthy of love, worthy of attention. So as they come to Casa, they receive that love. They receive that attention and care. And the light, in this case, reveals to them who they really are, not children who are living in prison. That's their circumstance. But children who are loved by God. Children who are worthy of love. Children who deserve a childhood. And Bruce and I were able to see how the light of Christ is shining at Casa de la Amistad through all those who are working there. And it's amazing because as the kids leave to go home, they take that light with them back into the prisons. And as we were leaving, we were hearing about a new program that was going to be starting because the mothers were starting to see how their kids were loved and valued, and they wanted to have that same love and to feel valued. And so they were going to be going to CASA to learn skills where they could open their own businesses, where they could learn and get some education, but most of all, where they could hear that they are loved and valued, where they could hear that they are women who bear the image of God. And that is what the light of Christ reveals. It reveals that we are people who are worthy of the love of Christ, that we are made in his image. And that Christ is not there to condemn us, but to invite us into his family and invite us into his, invite us into his redemptive activity. 
When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is not saying that there is no darkness or that darkness doesn't exist. Because Jesus was born in the dark too. Jesus was born into this world that is full of pain and suffering and uncertainty. Yet still, he chose to walk among us as the light who reveals the Father, the Father who is full of grace, the Father who is a trustworthy judge. And so we are invited to throw off anything that might hinder us from this love. We are invited to be open when we might be tempted to conceal things that we are ashamed of. We are invited to walk in the light. And unlike the daylight that might blind Bane, although I hear he has a new series out um, where he actually wants to be good, and so maybe he's adapted to the light now. But the light will help us to see things clearly. It will help us to see things as they could be. And it will help us acknowledge our own need for a savior. Jesus, the light of the world, will give us glimpses into the redemption that happens when God breaks into our darkness. Amen.